Hey, Joe, can you uh, give us an update on uh, Saquon? Uh, you know what, beyond anything official, I mean, Ronnie gave me a call last night, let me know he talked to the surgeon, that uh, it sounds like it was a positive deal right there. Obviously, we'll know more as this time goes on, as rehab starts, but uh, it seems like he's in good spirits, and uh, you know, we're looking forward to getting him back over here on this side of the country. All right, Dudley. Hey, Joe, have you decided without Will who's starting, if it's uh, Shane Lemieux, and if not, is Chad Slade a viable option? We're going to consider all the guys right now. We're going to go through that today after practice and kind of go through how the week went and what's going on. we got a lot of install to go in today with some red area in two minute. Without having a lot of those guys on Wednesday, it's kind of backlogged some of the things we've had to do, Ryan. So there's still some decisions to be made there. And then uh, we asked you a lot on Monday before Marcus got traded about the trade deadline. And I don't think you've been asked since. Do you expect it to be quiet between here and Tuesday? I know you have a game to focus on. You expect trade deadline stuff to be quiet, or are you guys still looking into stuff? Uh, you know, I'm sure there's some conversations going on all throughout the league right now. Uh, that's kind of really no different on any other week. It leads up to the trade deadline. You know, right now my focus is on the Buccaneers, and, and that's really the only thing I've been concentrating on this week. Thanks, Joe. All right. Joe, I was wondering if there was, if you could recall any times when uh, you were with the Patriots when a team came in to face you guys and and sort of lost before they even got on the field because they were so much in awe of probably Bill and, and Tom and, and uh, uh, you know, for a young team like yours, how, how do you prevent that? Obviously, you have a lot of people in the building that know, know Tom very well, but how do, you, how do you sort of prevent gawking? You know, I, to be honest with you, Tom, I can't think of any times that we knew before the game that they lost because they were in awe. Um, I think there were times we played that we knew they lost based on either how they were going to handle the situations with the weather, maybe the wind, something like that. And there were other times we saw teams that kind of came in too overconfident and too overfocused on just a couple people. Uh, you know, I can recall games with, you know, Buffalo, you know, back, you know, kind of circa 2014, 15, 16, that area right there. And uh, there were a lot of times it was kind of almost too much stuff pre-game. You just kind of understood, like, they're not really tuned into the game. They're just kind of worrying too much about some kind of matchup or something they may have heard or read about in the headlines that week. They're not really focused on the game. Normally when I see that from teams, that you know they're not locked in for 60 minutes of the situations that have come up and the adjustments within the game. That, to me, is always the trigger. To me, the emotion within the game is something you have to balance. It, we talk to our players all the time. We have to be physically ready, and that comes down to how we take care of them in practice, how they take care of their bodies on recovery. We have to be mentally prepared, which comes into how we study and prepare and learn the opponent. We have to be emotionally prepared as well and understand what kind of a game it's going to be going in. I think it ties into knowing what kind of team you are yourselves and how you have to play and win games. But there are a lot of teams that kind of came into games where you may see them early in warm-ups, and maybe they're a little bit too overexcited at the time, a little bit too hyped up. You know, sometimes it's funny you see a team, even in Super Bowls, where they're ridiculously long games, and there's just a different flow and feel to that game overall. You see teams come out, you know, two hours before the game, they're running around, they're sweating a lot, they're, you know, very adrenaline and amped up. And you kind of look at them, you just think they can't sustain. And that's just kind of something I've learned over time that, you know, to me sometimes it's not the coming in in all of a team, but coming in overconfident or coming in focused on the wrong thing. So we're always trying to bring it back with our players to, you know, you have your job, your responsibility to focus on, keep it to that. Uh, let's make sure we focus on the keys and the techniques we have to execute within the game. And if we can tie that together for 60 minutes, normally the results are pretty good. So, look, obviously we have things as a team right now we've got to keep improving on, keep working, but we always try to bring back to those principles. Art. Hey, Joe, how's it going? Good, Art, how you doing? Good. Um, 
with the uh, with the decisions at guard, you know, with Will not being there, I'm just curious if you. I know what you've said and what you guys have shown at tackle when you've put Matt in there and subbed out different series at that position at tackle. Uh, can you treat an interior spot the same way? Does it affect continuity on the interior? Because now you're not just worried about the guy on the left, but you're also worried about the guy on the right. Or is, does that not matter to you in, the, in this situation? Are you referring more to like moving Kevin to the left guard and plugging the right guard in with someone different? Actually, no, I was really more talking about having guys swap series. You have someone in oh. for a left guard for one series, and then the next series you put in that guy and you kind of rotate the way you've done a tackle with with Matt and Cam and then obviously with Andrew and, and Matt. No, I think right now that we're okay to rotate guys on through, to be honest with you, Art. I think it's kind of very similar to tackle position that we got to move some guys on through. That's really been part of the plan anyway to get some of these other guys involved throughout the program and make sure throughout the course of the season that you know we see enough of them and let them develop. Um, I've talked about that before with the young players, talking about Matt and Andrew, how they rotate a lot. And a lot of that's because of just, you know, it's early in the season. We didn't have a preseason. We want to make sure everyone gets exposure to develop and opportunity to really work on it. I see the guard position the same way. We've been slower to get to that point, to this point. Uh, but obviously now we'll have, you know, a number of guys that will really be involved a lot more. I don't ever really have a hesitation art of going ahead and rolling guys through the, through the uh, positions within the game. I really don't. They all practice. They all prepare. To me, if they're not going to be ready to play, I shouldn't have them at the game. So if you're at the game, we got to have confidence in you to go in there and do your job. Um, in terms of the inside versus the outside, I think it's just kind of six and one, half dozen another. Whether you're talking about the guards with the center working together or whether it's a guard and a tackle, you still have to account for the same you know, number of multiples, even though it's not the same exact kind of looks and twists and games inside between the two positions. Um, but you still want to have some kind of continuity. That doesn't always mean it's the same players playing next to each other. To me, it's just enough consistency with how you prepare them and how you practice them to get them in a position that when they play in the game, uh, that they're ready to go. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Mark. We'll take two more, Jordan and Patty. Jordan. Hey, Joe, I got a couple of different ones here. First, uh, what have you seen this week from Devontae Freeman and Sterling Shepard in regards to how they're looking, and does Devontae have any chance to make it this week? Yeah, I'd say both guys have a chance at this point. They both move around throughout the week. We've had different levels of practice. You know, Tuesday was more of almost like a Giants day, as we called it, a little bit more focused on us. It was kind of on and off the field quickly. We had a heavy emphasis in the passing game and the pass defense that day. You go into Wednesday, or I'm sorry, Thursday, I should say, you know, with the weather situation out there and working around, that changed a little bit how we prepared and what we focused on that day, along with the offensive line situation. And then yesterday we kind of – Built on what we didn't get on Wednesday and kind of try to incorporate. I'm, I'm sorry, keep, I'm a day off there. But, you know, our Thursday and a Friday combined the two days right there. You know, to me, I've seen both guys working hard. We'll check with the trainers, see where they are really through this practice, Jordan, and see where they go into, you know, this weekend. Uh, no decision's been made either way on either one of those guys. Is that turf toe just something Sterling's going to have to deal with? Or is that not really the problem right now? I mean, look, I think this guy's working hard through whatever he's got. I mean, I think there's not a player in the league who's 100% at this point. Everyone's nicked up. Everyone's banged up. That's true in our locker room as well as the other locker rooms. Uh, one thing I'll say for Sterling, he is a tough dude. He's very strong-willed and he wants to play. So he'll give himself every opportunity to get out there and play. And I'm just curious, when you, you obviously had a chance this week to watch a lot of the tape against Tampa Bay, I'm sure, last year. Yeah. Uh, Daniel's, first, Daniel's first start. When you look back at that now, I mean, what do you see when you see Daniel and how much of a difference – do you see from that Daniel and the one that, you know, that is now, what, 18, 19 starts later? Yeah, well, you look at it more from the uh, aspect of the matchups, really, than so much the scheme part of it right there. You know, Todd's really evolved a lot in what he's doing. 
you know, Bruce's offense with Byron and some of the players they have down there are completely different. You know, asking specifically about the offensive players and Daniel, you know, I think there's some differences within the system. Um, I see growth in both, in both, you know, avenues of what he's doing. There's some things we got to keep on improving. Um, but look, I'm very happy with the way Daniel's working right now and getting into the system, showing progress throughout, you know, the season, especially his last few weeks. So we got to keep on building with them and giving opportunities to help this team win. Appreciate it. Come on here, Patty. Hey, Coach, how are you doing? Good, Patty. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I don't think we've asked you since, uh, you know, the news came out about Will. How is he doing? You know, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I can't really speak for Will in terms of how he's personally feeling right there, Patty. I'd just say, um, you know, I know he's been in contact with our training staff. I have not seen him personally. Obviously, we've all been isolated from him. Uh, we'll check back in and see how he's doing. You know, any health ailments that go, you know, here directly through Ronnie Barnes. To me, no news is good news when it comes to our players in situations like this. So, you know, I'll check back in with Ronnie after this, like I do every day before I hit the field with some of the injuries, see what we're dealing with right there. But, you know, hopefully he's doing well. We hope for a speedy recovery for him. And then in a situation like this, beyond obviously the medical support, you know, since this is such a, a devastating type of situation, you know, the virus and whatnot, what kind of, you know, additional support is given to, you know, a player or a staff member in terms of, I don't know, counseling or anything like that to kind of keep them from thinking the worst? Well, we do have in-house counseling for any player who may need it. Uh, it's all on a volunteer basis. It's also, you know, the, the job of the coordinators and the position coaches to identify their players and where they're at to keep in touch with them. And I think our locker room's done a tremendous job throughout the year of being very connected. And that kind of started back in the spring with the virtual process going through training camp. So in terms of our guys staying in touch with each other, being connected, I know a lot of them have reached out to Saquon the last couple of days, you know, wishing them good luck and obviously thoughts and prayers going to the surgery. I followed up with the captains yesterday afterwards. A number of them had, you know, spoken to him to spoken to him through text and other ways. So these guys try to stay connected with all their teammates, whether in the building or outside the building. But I'd say this, obviously what you're referring to, it is different being isolated, you know, being on your own for a series of, you know, multiple days up to over a week at some point. So to me, being connected through the building, um, he's involved with our meetings on a daily basis through the Zoom process. And that kind of gives him a window into the football part of it right there. It keeps him connected to what we're doing. So when he gets back, he's not really having a slower process and learning what we've put in since he's been gone. So he's mentally involved. You know, the physical uh, separation is something that, you know, we've all just got to deal with, but not him not being around and him being by himself.